Good Tuesday evening to your family. Good Tuesday evening to your family. This is Chris. You're listening to Encouraging Your Spirit, the podcast. I hope this message finds you doing well. It's Tuesday evening, fireside chats. That's just what I think. That's just how it is. My personal perspective on things that happen. So today at work and throughout this week, you know, there have been various emails uh, to for people trying to gather their thoughts, trying to share you know, their thoughts on the murder of George Floyd and how it's caused deep thought, deep reflection, the need to listen more. We had a a virtual hangout meeting today where people were there to, you know, share their thoughts. I'm not here to critique any of it. I'm not any of the experiences past or present I'm, I'm not here to critique it yeah this is a perspective that I have for you today that I will share with other people it isn't the responsibility of the press to tell the oppressor what to do and how to right the wrong it isn't the responsibility of the press to tell the oppressor what to do and how to right the wrong and I say that often time because I often don't know what else the people without power, which is us, can do. I mean, how many people do we get to call and poll and say this is not right? You know what I mean? How often we got to share these stories because there's so many stories. And here's the thing. It's not just our experiences with law enforcement. It's our experience in corporate America. It's our experience in the school system. It's our experience in academia. It's our experience in the city government. It's our experience in the county. It's our experience in a church that's majority white. It's our it's our experience so many times by so many people that sometimes when I hear personally the statement I'm in deep reflection and I need to 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 listen more, I don't know, I just want to throw my phone. I do. I do. I do. I want to throw my phone because I don't know, you know, that's to me where the disconnection is, because it shows me oftentimes that we see the same thing. And I know on uh, on any level, two people, two individuals on any in any issue, any situation, experience, heck, even a TV show can watch the same thing, can both be present and have two different experiences. Yet on race, there is no neutral ground. There's no lukewarm. There's no, uh, maybe I'm, you know, maybe people are just joking. Maybe no, no, no. There is no neutral ground on white supremacy. There is none. There is none. That's my personal opinion. I'm sticking to it. You know, because you you think of another experience that comes to mind is how on Twitter this week they had different people in academia that were willing to share their experiences of being black in the ivory tower people that were either students or maybe their faculty or their you know instructors teach whatever their classification may be in academia things like i joined my first coffee break to meet other graduate students in the physics department in may mind you i was the only black female there this person writes the first question i was asked are are you sure you got in the person said yes do you have a letter to to prove it or the experience of 
you know, a individual getting stopped at, on before her qualifying exam and how it rattled her because she found out her paperwork that for, you know, and her license had expired and they were laughing about taking her to jail. And she talked about the toll that it took on her to the point that even when it was time to take the exam, she went to take it and, and didn't pass. And her just, you know, she she appealed everything she appealed didn't didn't go through but it was the trauma of the experience of getting stopped by the police here's my point that happens so often or you can read in the hollywood uh, reporter in, in, in the industry where niecy nash is saying in the hollywood reporter article this week how can how many times can you look at my contract versus a contract that kyra cedric has and we work for the same people and we were both number one on the call sheet do you think hers look like look like mine? And then it becomes we're in a pandemic. So she says the suggestion that she has is asking non-black people what can they do? Are they fighting for equal pay in the industry when they come on these sets? Are they making people feel welcome? How are they moving in these scripts when they look at how people are depicted? Don't call more don't call one more black person and ask them nothing about nothing it's the same in any field it's oftentimes when you sit in these meetings and you sit in these stories and all of them sound the same and i know in my heart that they mean well but sometimes nobody's really interested in deep thoughts and deep personal reflections and for you to listen we need you to act we need you to have an action plan i need you to go to the circle of the people that look like you and ask them what they think what are their feelings? The people that are in power. You know, yes, it's true. You can come into these spaces and be empathetic and listen to people. But when, but you have a, a position of privilege. So when you have the ability and power to make a change, why don't you do it? Because it's exhausting for black people to sit in these spaces. And you want us to do what? Tell us, tell you another story. The black in ivory tower is a, a Twitter feed. That anybody can Google and find it for yourself. Yet you know what's also true? The stories that are not there. Or the times when I think about how, you know, my mother and father said perhaps racism is getting worse. No, we have a video camera. And sometimes I feel when it comes to, you know, this, it almost becomes a level of desensitization. We see it so much. We see it so often. There's so many names. There's so many people it's happening everywhere it's happening all the time and there are people that have criticism there are people that have criticisms of protest telling you to protest peacefully because martin luther king was a peaceful protester yet they killed martin luther king too and in, in history when you look at some of the documentaries you had the government that was calling him a terrorist and all he wanted was for black people to be judged by the content of their character rather than their skin tone all he wanted was us to not have to go in the back of the bus but to be able to ride in the front civil rights not even equal civil rights you know it's pride month and marriage equality is great i say that's wonderful i say it's wonderful because i'm married i've been married since 2012 it was an exciting thing to be able to pay money for a license that in addition to my faith that believes that marriage is its covenant, it's a legal document that now is noted in every, every state. 
that I'm married to the most wonderful woman on earth, by the way. But here's my point. I need you to be fighting for me the same way you fighting for equal rights. The same way you go down there and, and when they're saying the Supreme Court is making some issue against anything that's LGBTQIAS, I need you to be fighting with the same vigor, the same intensity for my black life. When you see me and people that look like me on television and you see them in your community and you see them being harassed by officers or when officers are asking them more questions than they would ask you, I need you to fight for me. I don't need you to just pray for me and tell me that, that I'm in your thoughts because here's what I think when I see all those names. There is nothing that separates me for, from them. I too could be a hashtag at any moment. Not just me, people that look like me. I think of siblings. I think that are my born siblings. I think of siblings that are my chosen family. It could happen to any of us. I think of the black people that I work with, that I've met at conferences, people of color, if you will. But right now I'm focusing on black because it could be either one of us, any one of us. It could be us. The number of times that I've gone into a store, the number of times that I've interacted with the police because they came up and asked me a question or I've been stopped. Those things are not just anomalies. They're not just great things to say of, oh, that's just one thing or I can just look away, you know, and the people that are making statements on, on, on their Facebook page about their looking, trying to figure out how to think more, how to how to listen more. We don't need you to listen. We need you to act, especially if you're in a position of power and especially if you're white. You know why? Because they listen to you. I need you to go tell people who look like you to act differently. To think about what is it exactly when they hear the statement, Black Lives Matter, if there's any level of uncomfortability, I need them to go deep within themselves and figure out what it is. When somebody says Black Life Matters, why is it that that's hard to get? Go ask the people that you know in your family, in your community, on your job that have a problem with that. Go talk with them. Y'all sit and have, have beers. Y'all play golf. Y'all play bikino. Y'all play bridge. Y'all Whatever it is, y'all at the barbecue. Y'all down at the car show. Those people. Go talk to those people. Because we all have those people in our family. Those people in our community. Those people at our church. Those people everywhere we go. And that's how the world changes. That's how the world changes. One life, one heart at a time. One conversation with the people, the community, with the places that you have the most influence. I heard it said, and I'll close with this, and I want you to think on it all week. It says white supremacy stops when it becomes a white issue. An issue that white people must solve. That's when it stops. That's when we can stop having these stories to tell that nothing gets done on. And those are just the safe ones. Think about it, fam. Those are just the safe ones. Those are just the ones that people felt safe telling. What about the ones that aren't on the internet, that aren't known? What about the people that let their, their mantle that, that, that their God-given purpose, either in ministry or in some particular field. What about those individuals? 
What about those? Because you, you do have those. I remember being a graduate student taking some classes at Augusta State University because I had decided that this was before librarianship that I wanted a degree in computer science. But I didn't have a lot of the foundational uh, programming courses because I had been a business information systems major. So I had to take just, you know, discrete math and different programming classes. And I remember being in the class for discrete mathematics. And I was having some trouble in the class because let's be real, mathematics is, is not my strength. I've had to work really hard at getting better at mathematics. All of the mathematics courses that I took, I had to, I got a tutor and a, a, a workbook. Uh, you know, you know how you get those self-help books that help you with a particular course. I was always doing that. But my point is, I remember meeting with the instructor, being concerned and about you know my work in the class and sharing that I was really trying to continue. And I remember the professor said to me, perhaps you could should consider getting a master's degree in sociology. I don't think he said that to me because he was being helpful. I really don't because, you know, that was said today in a meeting that some people need to think about the things that they say. And when you think about the fact that you're being helpful, maybe that you're not. Maybe that you're not. I don't really think, you know, think that he was being helpful. Why? Why? Why not encourage? Why not teach? Why not share information and resources that will help that particular student be better instead of, you know, making comments like that? I don't know why that professor didn't did, had that had that comment. I went to a very popular uh, library conference that's attended by deans and provosts. It was the day of my presentation. I'm so excited. I'm dressed razor sharp, you know, business type. I'm ready. I'm happy. I'm excited. It's the first time that I have my, you know, it's just me. It's not me on the panel. It's me, me for 25 minutes. Yes, Chris. You know what I'm saying? So excited. It's an honor. I'm grateful. It's a co-author paper and I'm so excited. My co-author has sent me a message and an email saying, way to go us. I know I can't be here because I got to go to this other conference, but go knock them dead. I know you're going to do well. My wife is saying, way to go, babe. You know, all these things are going on. I'm excited. I, I you know, had never been to Albuquerque, New Mexico before. I'm standing, you know, I get up in the morning. I'm all ready to go. They serve breakfast before the opening keynote. And then after the keynote, you'll go into the different, you know, breakout presentations. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm standing, you know, in the hotel, you know, area in the breakfast line. I've uh, they they they're gonna open up the omelet station because you know it's, they pulled all out, you know, they pulled all the stops out. I'm standing in the line, and uh, I had put my bag down. They had all my materials. And I'm trying to decide, you know, standing in the area, trying to survey the room. I picked a table to sit at. I said good morning to everybody. I uh, go stand in the line. I, I, I'm trying to decide about, you know, which line I'm going to stand in. But I said, oh, you know, before I do anything, I'm going to just go ahead and get some coffee. I pour my coffee, but you got to go up to this other area to get the cream. 
and the sugar. I walk up to that area to get the cream or the sugar. And this lady, white lady, she doesn't even think or question. She looks, she looks at me. She looks up and down. She said, hey, I just want to let you know that we're out of oatmeal. I'm wearing a badge that says my name. That has that little sticker on it. It's this ribbon that says I'm a presenter. Speaker. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I don't work here. I, I leaned over and I said, I'm a conference participant and attendee. I'm speaking at 10 o'clock. My name is Chris Wiley. How are you doing today? That's what I said. That's what I said. She looked at me and she said, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I I apologize. That would have been great if she had left it there. But then she kept talking and said, well, you know, it was your pants. My pants. My pants were navy blue. But all of the people serving were people that were brown. Were wearing brown, like, chef-type jackets and black pants. Yeah. That was my experience. But, you know, it threw me for a minute, but I didn't let it get me down because I know that I'm in spaces that you don't see people that look like me. The more I go to conferences, even in librarianship, I, even in my graduate program, I think, you know, I did, I did that program completely online. Even though I had lived in Tallahassee and I think I took two classes that were actually face to face. And in those in those classes, I can think I knew four black people. Four, four people that were, you know, at various stages of the master's program. When I think of when I got, you know, at NOAA, I was the only black librarian, but there were probably maybe five other black people that worked at, you know, the former lab that I worked at. There was a black librarian across the street at the Marine Science School. But, you know, the more you go to these conferences, it's like, you know, you see a couple of people and then as it, you know, continues, it's just you. Or maybe you and one other person. So, you know, I learned as my wife tells me to quit counting the number of people. Don't do it. Because sometimes it is going to be just you. It is. It is what it is. <coughs> so we can say a million times that this must change, that this must be different. But my point ultimately is it isn't up to me to change these perspectives, to change these experiences. If you're really trying to think deeply and have deeper reflection and read the anti-racism resources here's what my hope my prayer for you is that the reading the deep reflection the listening moves you moves you to have an action for every single community that you can influence for the people within your circle wherever and in all places that they may be That's just my thoughts. That's just what I think. I thank you for taking time to listen to this podcast today. 
I sincerely hope that as I'm having these conversations, please know I'm not trying to be divisive and be angry and argumentative. It is my hope that people hear these perspectives and think about the things that I'm saying and think, how can I apply that to my everyday life? How can I relate to that? If you're white and you're in ministry, are there any black people on your staff? Did you say anything in a small group? Did you say anything on Sunday? In the Bible study, in whatever way that you're leading church via Zoom or if you're back to having face-to-face church, are you saying anything? Are there any black congregants in your church? Are you saying anything to your family? Are you saying anything to your friends? Are you saying anything? And more important than your words, are you doing anything? And I mean that with all sincerity. I'm not giving you shade or judgment. Change begins with you. That's all I got. Thanks so much for listening. Encouraging your spirit podcast at gmail.com. That's just what I think. That's just how it is. It's just my perspective. Let's discuss. Black in the ivory tower and black in every area that we live, work, and live. I pray your soul, your mind, and your heart continue to be encouraged and you never give up up if there's a person that has had any experience that i have mentioned and someone told you to stop and be something else listen to my voice you get back up you can be anything and everything that god has called you to be whatever field that is that you're supposed to be in you get up and you go do it you get up and go do it i know there might be pain in your soul and in your mind and in your heart And there might be voices within your inner self that tell you, you can't go another day. Those are lies from the pit of hell. And you get up. You wipe your face. Cry if you have to. Reach out to the podcast. I'm always here. I'll talk with you. I'll call you and talk to you. But you keep going. Don't you let any amount of bigotry or racism stop you from anything. You keep going. Encouraging your spirit podcast at gmail.com. Y'all be blessed. Peace.